Good morning. So last weekend, last Saturday night, I had the chance to spend the evening in the Forum in Inglewood at an event that is um, Chris Tomlin's Worship in America, Worship Nights in America. And, and last weekend was the first night of that tour. And they've been, I've had friends, um, friends post from other places across the U.S. since then. He was in Colorado and a couple of nights ago. And, and it changes every event. There's not a set lineup. But his vision was um, and is to bring together some of the biggest names in music and in ministry and, and have them gather in these ginormous um, venues, filling them. I mean, the forum was packed to the rafters. And, and so that's tens of thousands of people. I didn't wow. even look up. I don't even know how many it holds. And it wasn't um, the entire stadium because they blocked off part of it where the stage was. But an enormous uh, you know, number of, of believers all gathered to just praise and worship. And it was very clear from the start that it was not a concert. And Chris Tomlin said as much, that we are not here for any individual glory. We are not here to, to lift any one name high. So when the lights came up, standing on the stage were Phil Wickham, Chris Tomlin, Matt Redman, Kim Walker-Smith, and Jorge Montero, right? All of them standing together. There was no opening act. It was all of them in the one place for the one purpose of bringing glory to God. And so they took turns leading songs, and they, we did some music, and then Rick Warren comes out and gives the opening prayer. And then they do some more songs. And then Max Lucado comes out and gives a mini-sermon. And then they do some more songs. And Louis Giglio comes out and gives another mini-sermon. Right? And by the end of Louis Giglio's talk, the entire forum was on their knees. And, his, and of course, we're coming out of the week of um, last week being so much um, racial tension and demonstrations and, and so many deaths and violence and just, you know, so many people's hearts were heavy. And Louis Giglio felt led to, to call out, um, you know, to the Lord and, and that we, we as his people would be on our knees, and it's probably the first time ever in the forum that it has happened, and, and tens of thousands of believers there. And it was amazing, right? I mean, you're gasping just at the description of it. It was amazing. And of course, I was jet-lagged because I'd only been back on this continent for like 36 hours. <laughs> so, so I was kind of enjoying it half-eyed, but, but it was. It was powerful. It was amazing. And God moves in those times and those places. But there was something missing in it. There was something that I came away and I was really convicted and I just, I kept chewing on that because by the end of it, when the confetti cannons are going off and the lights are, you know, going and it's, it's the dance party in the forum, I came into church here, our little Big Bear Christian Center the next morning. And I heard the first 30 seconds of the first song and the presence of the Lord was more powerful, more present in this time, in this place, in this space with this little body of believers than anything I sensed the night before in the forum for all of the show, all of the hoopla. And the Lord put on my heart last week, Zechariah 4.10. And this verse comes in a vision to the prophet Zechariah regarding the rebuilding of the temple. And you'll, you'll know this, it's familiar, and I, I looked it up in different translations. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. The plumb line. 
plumb line, if I'm right, that's just measuring out a straight line to start building your foundation. Like, you, you might not have even raked up the dirt very much yet. If you're talking gardening, you haven't even planted a seed. If you're just making the plumb line, you're only just laying the most basic, basic foundation of what you have a vision for. And that really has spoken to me this week as my own life is in a place of of lots of small steps and new beginnings. And as I looked up other translations, there's a whole study. Rob, you might just take this on. There's a whole study in the different translations of this verse because there are some that are quite pointed, and they say, who dares despise the day of small beginnings? Another one just says, all right, do not despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see that plumb line. Um, Another says, whoever has despised the day of small beginnings shall rejoice to see that plumb line, right? I mean, it takes on, it's so complicated, but the bottom line is the Lord sees that step of faith. And so as we come to this time of offering, I'm pretty confident in saying none of us can just give a substantial amount. You know, nobody here is going to just write out a check for tens of thousands of dollars and not have some amount of Ooh, that hurts. We're not in that position. That's not us. We are not the mega church, and we are not living in the mini mansions. And, and for those who, who maybe, you know, give generously and freely, there's still, we still have obligations. Everything we have is the Lord's. And, and we, we easily compare ourselves to those that we see in other places. And even when we, we think about these ministry leaders and these musicians, we forget they all started on a little stage somewhere, too. They all started in youth group. All those pastors, they started with a small group, a home, a cell, right? We, we forget that. And we forget what our little seed of faith in our offering can do as well, right? Because everything we have is the Lord's. And if you're using your, you're your stewarding what you have faithfully, you might just be inviting your neighbor, your lonely neighbor over for lunch. But you're using that in the ministry of the kingdom, And so this morning as we give, and the Lord leads you to whatever you give to this body and to the work that's being done, just know the Lord rejoices to see the plumb line, just the plumb line of what he he is leading us into as a body in Little Big Bear, in Little Big Bear Christian Center. Let's pray. Holy God, we surrender before you everything that we are, everything that we have. And for whatever dreams we may hold, whatever visions, whatever hopes and goals, we just lay them before you, before your throne. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts um, to obedience and to boldness. Lord, that we would give with conviction and with courage. And that you would, you would guide the leadership of this church in how those resources are to be used. I thank you for their wisdom, that they submit to you, God, that, that everything Um, that we think we hold is really in your hands and to your service. We lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Drew. Thank you. Okay. Amen.
Paul, would you mind t turning up these lights just a little bit more on the on the rheostat back there? That'd be awesome. Thank you, sir. Paul's been doing some electric work around the church the last couple of weeks, so we're excited to get some things getting going. And praise the Lord. Hey, small beginnings. God's got a plan for your life, for my life, for this place. He is not done. Does anyone know how many, what the population of just Big Bear City is? Census from two, 2010 said 12,000 people. 12,000 people. That's probably Sugarloaf and everything. Full time. So how many are in church in Big Bear City on any given Sunday? Four or five of us churches out here. 250 people maybe. We're not reaching the, our communities. You know, if we, if we saw 10% of, of Big Bear City uh, serving the Lord in, in, in church on Sunday night, that's the, the, the pinnacle of our Christianity. There'd be 1,200 people in church. That's only 10% of the po population. I want to see more than 10% of the people saved. How about you? Amen. I, I, I want us to begin to pray with crazy faith that God will begin to pour out His Spirit upon people. You, me, the churches that are preaching the gospel, that, that the, the Spirit would be poured out and we'd begin to share our faith and begin to fulfill the great commission of reaching the lost, making disciples. You know, if it, they say in Big Bear, somewhere between 20,000, 25,000, if you take up all the areas together, that means on any given Sunday, 10% of the population is 2,500 people only. We don't even have that in all the churches combined in Big Bear. Uh, if you count the Catholic Church, we're right about that. And that's only 10%. Let's believe that God's going to pour out His Spirit and do some more. Small beginnings. I just got, just got back from Mexico. And uh, greetings from, from Texcoco and Cuatro Vientos and the pastors and all the people down there, um, Pastor Aaron and, and the group that comes every year. They will be back in February. This year they're going to be bringing Esteban de la Borda. Uh, he is the pastor at the Cuatro Vientos Church and will someday probably become the pastor of the church in Texcoco. But everyone sent their greetings to you. And so I bring those back. Also, a big greeting from Tom and Nancy Henry. And as we were talking about the church... They were realizing that there's probably a lot of, not a lot of people who know that name anymore because there's so many new people in the church. But they said, give hugs and greetings to everyone that they know. And they really, really, you know, they, they said like three times, you make sure you tell the church, greet them. And so I got the opportunity to spend uh, the time with them. They came from South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, to be with us in Mexico. Uh, the Henrys were a big part of the church, leaders, teachers in the church, uh, prison ministry, the whole, just, just great people of God. So got to spend the time down there. Um, I'm not going to share about my trip much, but just, just to know that the gospel is continuing and, and advancing in the churches that we support in Mexico. As a church, we're, we're giving into the work of, of what's happening down there. I got a couple pictures. Uh, we're just going to show them up, and however they come up, we're going to talk about what's happening up there. Okay, we're going to start. We're going to start with this one. Cuatro Vientos was the church that we helped start um, 17, 18 years ago, and some of you were on the very first missions trip. Jolene, I believe, was on the first one. Sarah, I think, might have been on that first trip, um, and they planted the church. Those who were early, they remember all the streets were dirt. There were hardly any houses in the area. They met in somebody's living room. Um, the power was sketchy, so they had a generator that ran out of gas during the meeting, and they had to siphon a gas out of a taxi to keep the generator going. One little light bulb in the middle, 
reaching the lost. Um, and so what this view is, is for, for anyone who's been there, do you remember when they, when they put the church at the end of that little street and you look down to that empty valley? That's the empty valley. And if you look, see behind those trees, those are all houses. None of the houses were there 15 years ago. There is, is, is tens of thousands of people that the city of Mexico actually relocated and they put right in the backyard of this church. And because they're trying to get people out of the capital, um, out of Mexico City. And so they built these areas up. Um, so now go ahead and go to the next one. Here's another picture you can see. Um, you know, that's just a sea of houses. I'm sure, Jolene, you're just amazed at that. This is the, what we're looking at here is the roof of the temple, of the, of the sanctuary, if you will, of the church. Uh, let's go see. There's a church, uh, the picture that has like cement walls. I don't know if you can find that one, Marissa. It says Quattroviento Walls might be called. Um, these are the walls that you guys built. When they were here, we took an offering to build the walls. This is the upstairs area. Um, they are reaching out and they're having these special services where 120 children are coming and they're ministering to them. And so they've built, they're building these, these walls, these rooms upstairs. They're, they're just about to put on the roof. And eventually, God willing, what they're going to do is the, the upstairs will, will go out over where the, uh, the, the roof of the sanctuary is just to the left. They're going to extend this whole upstairs area. That will be the upstairs, and that will be where the, the sanctuary is. And then downstairs will be about 10 rooms for children's ministry and different things happening downstairs. It's a very small church, but God is breathing into it. Let's just see what other pictures are. There's going to be a picture. Oh, perfect. I'm glad that was next. That's Pastor Esteban de la Borda on the right. And that is the sanctuary at Cuatro Vientos. I'm looking, I'm looking at Sarah's face. I love it because she remembers what it looked like. And it's full. There's a lot of the people there are, are new th- since two years ago when I got to visit. The church is growing. People are getting saved. Um, and we get to be part of that. And who knows, maybe, maybe we can go down on a missions trip and help build the walls put a roof on, do a children's ministry. I don't know. Let's see what some of the other pictures are. This is uh, back at Texcoco. There's a group of different people, um, more than just this sometimes. They have 7 a.m. prayer seven days a week, including on Sundays. And people come every day. And the pastor's not there. He does, he, he, uh, pastor Aaron doesn't even live clo- close, so he doesn't always come. They just open up the church, and this is the group that comes at 7 a.m. and prays. Uh, so it's just awesome to see faithfulness. Keep going, let's see. I just, there's only about five total pictures. That's the front of the church, and you can see the walls that are being built, so you can see you know, all that. And it's li- concrete, not dirt. Isn't that amazing? Hey, let's go see what else, what else. I, like I said, just a few. This is the pastor's conference I had the opportunity at speaking at. Pastors from uh, all over the area uh, came to, to just be encouraged. This is the temple at Texcoco. This church is, is where Pastor Aaron is attempt, uh, the pastor at. Started in a, in a bodega with just a couple of women who had to bring their own chairs because they had nothing when they began this process. Uh, they were all coming out of the Catholic church. Their husbands wouldn't let them go to an evangelical church. So they, they planned church to be at the same time as the Catholic services. And, and they, would, um, tell the, they would just say to their husbands, we're going off to the temple for mass. And they would come and they got saved and the church began to grow. So that's just the, the, that's the building there. And these are a lot of, some of the certain leaders at the church and a lot of pastors from the area. Let's see what else we have. They made us meals, breakfast and lunch during the, the conference, and this is one of the family. This is uh, the family Brian went, got to go to the Mexican, uh, the temple, the uh, 
Aztec temples with, but they had to make they had to make tamales in the morning for like 120 people so they were busy tamale makers busy tamale makers faithful faithful uh, family they, they, I met them two years ago and we just laughed the whole night we didn't speak I didn't speak a lot of Spanish anyways what, what, what else it's just maybe one or two more pictures I think I introduced them to selfies no they <laughs> this is uh they they actually take a lot of selfies down there. It was interesting. One of the places we went to, the the dad was on the couch looking at his phone. The teenage daughter was on a different couch looking at her phone. There was a little kid playing Jungle Run uh, on their phone. I'm like, well, I'm glad we have something in common. We've all been lost to our phones. And so I did say, I said, well, what do you call it when you take a picture of yourself? And they said, selfie. <laughs> I said, come up with your own name in Spanish. Anyway, so that's, that's the church. They're sending their greetings there. And I could tell you stories about some of these different pastors and, and faithful people, but I'm not. Not right now. Go ahead. What, is there any more? That's it. So as you saw them waving to you, greetings from Mexico. Thanks for letting me go. We've been united with that church. The church in Texcoco is a charter church from Big Bear Christian Center. They're your, they're, they're your church. They, they've connected. We're, we're connected. We'll continue to do work together in the future. And this next year, I want us to know um, Pastor Esteban because that's the work that's growing a lot in Cuatro Vientos, and, and I believe he will be the man that we will continue to work with in the future. Praise the Lord. Amen. I probably came back fatter. They feed you too much. I was going to put the picture of the, of the ram's head because we ate a full entire ram. They throw it in a pit, and they just cook it. Anyways, I spared you the details. Hey, last week, uh, Matthew brought a message. For those of you who are here, Matthew brought a message about um, the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. I hope you got a chance. I hope you were here for that. If, you, if not, it's on it's online at the, at, the web, at the church website, BigBearChristianCenter.org, along with all the other messages that we, w- w- over the last few weeks, or, you know, last few years, really, uh, including all the series of the Book of Acts, and we're continuing the Book of Acts this morning. So we've been talking about the Book of Acts and the Apostles. It's, the actual name is the Book of the Acts of the Apostles, and really, w- we could very well call that the Book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit because we see so much happening in, uh, in the church, the beginning of the church, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're going to continue in our, uh, in our time in the book of Acts. But what, we saw, what we've been seeing is that, that as the Holy Spirit is being poured out, the people, the apostles, they begin to walk in more confidence. They walk in more power and gifts and miracles. The church is growing exponentially under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe we should see and expect the same thing today that under the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll walk in power, in gifts, in miracles. People will be, will be saved. Uh, God doesn't, didn't change his promise, Acts 2.39. It was for all those. It says this promise is for you, for your children, all who are far off who believe. So we should understand that God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we're going to fi- uh, cover, we're, we're still, we're just kind of going slow. We're in no hurry. We, we're all, um, we, other messages have come up. We're at the end of Acts chapter 6, and we're going to cover all of Acts chapter 7 today. Uh, okay, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll take a big chunk. In the section we're going to go through today, we're going to see the continuation of the growth of the church, and that problems come with that growth. Okay, let's pray. 
Father, as we get into the time in your word today, I pray that you would speak to us, God. We know there's a lot of history. There's a lot of details. God, I don't want to get lost in those things. But we want to see what the message is saying to us, Lord, and, and how you want us to live our lives today. God, we thank you that your word is true, and it is our plumb line, God, of, of, of the very center of our being. So, Father, as we go into this time, I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, that this message would be full of grace, good news, power, and strength, God. Be with us in the time in the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, a couple weeks ago, we even talked a little bit about it. The church is growing, and life is happening, and it seems very natural. Uh, and that's what we're, I think a lot of you are crying out for. Where's the natural expression of the body of Christ? Uh, we're, we're not called to be an organization. We're called to be an organism. And so, so we want to have life. And this is what was happening at the beginning. But what we see in life is that without some organization, life is chaotic. So even within the organism, life, we need to understand that there's organization. And this is exactly what happens here in Acts chapter 6 at the beginning, is that it's growing so much that some of the widows aren't receiving food. The apostles are running around doing all their stuff. And they said, it's not good for us to to be leaving the preaching of the word and, and waiting on tables. Let's pick some people, seven people, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom to do this, this task. And so we, be, we begin to see the church, out of necessity, having some organization. Organization isn't bad. It's, 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 we have to have that in, in church. There's systems and things. What we don't want to ever do is lift up a system or, or the organization side of the church and hold it up as holy. Um, but we want to hear from God and saying, Lord, how do we continue to work? So they picked people to take on the ministry of caring for the widows. As, we, as you continue to read the, the other epistles, through Galatians, Ephesians, especially the pastoral epistles, you see them beginning to say, well, when you come together, do this, don't do this, and, and the church becomes uh, some structure because we're all just crazy, chaotic people. We all want to do it our own way, and if, if, if we allow that to happen, it, it's just out of order, and there isn't really a lot of growth. Anyways, that's a, that's a message for another time. So, so quickly, because we already kind of covered this, they chose the seven men to be over the food distribu- distribution. But these weren't ordinary men. They each had giftings. They, uh, and not necessarily in food distribution. They had a couple of, they had two things in common. They were full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. To give out food. You have to be full of the Holy Spirit to give out food. That should say something to us. Whatever we're doing in life, we should desire to be full of the Holy Spirit. God wants to use us to do things, and we shouldn't approach any task, whether it's cleaning the church or handing out food or working on a, on a neighbor's house. We should be seeking to be full of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, now the being full of wisdom is really important because there's going to be, you know, when you're trying to give out food and do these things, as we've, if you've ever been to a food bank, you know that there's times you need to have wisdom and how to handle people. So, so that's really important. If you're going to be part of a minister, in charge of a ministry, we need to be full of wisdom. And apparently more than that, we need to be full of the Spirit too. So I want to talk about the, the, the one person here who stands out above the others of the seven. These guys aren't given the name deacons, but the word in Greek of ministry and service is diakonos. So they're serving. Uh, in fact, 
again, I'm not going to go too far deep into here. Who's ever heard of terms like full-time ministry or he is the minister? When you think of he is the minister, what do you picture in your mind? You picture, picture me. But I don't have a white collar. Some of you still picture somebody with a white collar. The minister is here to pray for you. Black coat and a white collar. You picture somebody up here. The word minister in the Bible is most often translated diakonos. Diakonos. Deacon. Servant. Minister. We're, we have such a bad picture that up here is the minister and everywhere else are just the people. In fact, some of you have been in church a while or in kind of familiar with terms. You might think of the clergy and the laity. That should have never happened in, in, in the church. That put a separation. We're all ministers. We're all diakonos because we're supposed to be servants of God Most High. They chose seven people who were diakonos, servants of God, to do the service of the ministry. Hey, girl. And, um, and, and so they, they chose these people because there's all types of ministry that need to be done. And there's all types of giftings that people have. And then there's work that has to be done that maybe you're not necessarily gifted for, but have to do it. Stephen was put in charge of feeding the widows. But he had a couple of other gifts that are about to take place here. Uh, let, we're going to start in, in, uh, in verse 8, just to kind of read, read a verse. And then we're going to give an overview of what happens here. Stephen's an amazing guy. He doesn't last very long. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, this is the same Stephen a minute ago who was one of the seven, and he's in charge with the six others of, of feeding the widows. But now we're going to focus in and talk him, and, and there's probably some time between them appointing him to this ministry and verse 8. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Isn't he just the guy doing the food distribution? Let's keep him in the back. You know, that's why we want all the free food distribution because we don't really want to have anything to do with that. No, this is Stephen. He's, he's got a ministry here, but he's full of faith and he's full of power. He's full of the Holy Spirit and great wonders and signs are done among the people. So, so what's happening here is, is Stephen is, is full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of wisdom. He's full of God. And he begins to, he gets in a position where he's able to preach and teach and talk to the religious leaders and to the other Jews. And as he starts doing these and miracles are beginning to happen, they do what any good good person does. We see it in the, in the elections happening all the time. They start a smear campaign. You know, we're not the only place that does smear campaigns. They start it with Stephen. They start taking little tiny nuggets of partial truth and then lying about Stephen, and they say things about him. Um, and they say, they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people. And they said, Trump is bad. Hillary's bad. No, they said, Stephen's bad. And they start taking all these little parts of it and just doing a smear campaign. They set up false witnesses. I'm, no, no politician has ever done that to a false witness to say something that doesn't happen. Right? But here's Stephen. This happens in the church. We're hearing things about church leaders all the time. Sometimes they're true and sometimes they're not. Things are taken out of context. This is happening to Stephen. And, and this is kind of at the end of, of chapter 6. Starting in chapter 7, um, at least the high priest had enough uh, wisdom and moxie to ask this question, 
are these things so? They asked Stephen, hey, did you, are you blaspheming? Are you saying that you're better than Moses? All these things happening. And Stephen begins to go into, for almost the entire chapter 7, uh, we're not going to read it. It's, it's really good. But what he basically begins to do is pull all of Judaism together from the beginning and how God moved. And he just began to talk about the patriarchs, about Abraham, about how they were in Egypt and how God brought up Moses to be a deliverer. And, and he just tells the whole story in this really quite long dissertation. He's knowledgeable, he's focused, he's bringing in all the parts of, of the history of the Jewish people. And, and, so it, and, and, and by doing this, he's doing a number of things. He's telling them that he, is, uh, he understands the law. He understands the Jewish heritage. He understands the God of gods. Uh, he is full of wisdom. He's full of knowledge. He's, he's telling them that, that he's, uh, he's lifting up Moses. He's lifting up Abraham. These people were so, are, are so important to the Jewish heritage. And he does it so well. And... It doesn't really change until um, verse 51. And so he takes 50 verses to bring in the history of Israel and explaining it. Kind of proves who he is, that he, he knows this stuff. And then in verse 51, he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears... You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Well, that's the end of Stephen. But he comes from a place of knowledge and understanding and, and, and it just sews everything together, pointing towards the Christ and then brings an accusation uh, against these people. Well, there, there's a message in here about whether or not, you know, the, the PC correct thing and we're buying into it in the church is that someone who loves somebody would never say something like this. Isn't that true? I mean, we read that and go, oh my gosh, that doesn't sound like politically correct love to me. You know, we need to know when it's time to bring an accusation of truth to people. I mean, that's a side message. But church, we, need, we have the truth. And, and there's people who are lost, and they're dying, and they're going to hell. And what they don't need is a pat on the back and say, have fun on your way. That's a message for another day. Somebody remind me to preach that one, Shannon. So he, he does this great thing, pulls them all together like, okay, he's good, he's good, he's good. And then he lays the hammer down. He says, yeah, all this stuff, and you've missed it. And so he goes on, starting in verse 4, if you've got a Bible with, with sections like I do, it says Stephen the martyr. Because he's about to be the first Christian martyr in the history of Christianity. Jesus started it, the first follower of Christ who's martyred. He's full of grace and strength. They want to stone him. They begin to. He sees heaven open up. The people are so angry. He's talking about, I see angels. I see God. They're closing their ears up. They're so angry. And even to the last, he's saying, God, forgive them. Don't hold this wrong against them. Because his accusation against them wasn't in anger. It wasn't, you're bad. It's, 
you're stiff-necked and you need to come back to the Lord. He wanted them to be saved. Whenever we're having any conversation with anyone about, about the faith, the goal should be that they would come to know Christ, that they would leave their ways and come to Christ. Uh, it should never be out of anger. And I tell you, there's times, you know, I just, I'm, I'll be honest, there's times I, you know, sometimes just like, I just can't wait till they get theirs, you know. I'm not, usually not thinking of hell, but you just get people are so angry at Christians and you just, ah. Oh. But Stephen had it right. He's like, God, they need you. Don't hold this wrong against them. Don't hold it. He wanted to see them saved. So that's, I said we'd move quickly through the book of, of Acts chapter 7. That's pretty much what's, what's happening in Acts chapter 7. What I want to talk about today is Stephen and how, how he's, uh, he should be a model for us to live in this life, Stephen is a is a deacon at best. Um, you know, I don't know what his title was. He wasn't one of the apostles. He wasn't known as one of the leaders in Jerusalem. He's a Christian who has the. He's part of a ministry of helping to feed the widows, but he's full of the Holy Spirit and he's full of wisdom, and he does s- some amazing things. At the end of Acts chapter seven, beginning of cha- Acts chapter eight, it says. Um, Verse 58, and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul is the first time we hear of him is right here participating in the stoning of Stephen. And he was of, of enough reputation that the others who were accusing him kind of laid down their clothes saying, we agree with this stoning. And so the beginning of what we see with Saul, who's going to turn out to be Paul, is right here. So the first person to witness to Saul was Stephen. That's pretty cool. Wouldn't it be great to, to have been the person who first witnessed to Billy Graham? <laughs> yes, somebody did. They shared their faith. People share their faith with these people. And that was Stephen. It, w- w- so we see later that, that of course, gets, Saul gets converted. But what makes this possible? I want to give us um, four things that we should be looking to Stephen, looking at Stephen to help us in our life of what we should be as Christians. We're all called to serve. We all have gifts. And, and like Stephen, um, one of the things that he was, as we see in this whole chapter 7, he didn't make that up. He knew it. He knew about the history of Israel. He knew the connections of the temple sacrifices. He knew about Moses and Abraham and and, uh, Joseph and slavery in Egypt and and God's provision and all the things that that he paints the picture of. He was well-versed in it so well that he could give an accurate presentation of the history pointing to Christ. How about you? Can we? Now, some of you are new in the faith, and you're on a journey. What I want to encourage us today is that we need to be people who are full of the Word of God. We're we're not supposed to always be taught like sheep and a shepherd, because the sheep, evolution happens in the Bible for Christians. They start out as sheep, they end up as warriors, end up as princes and judges. The sheep are not supposed to stay sheep. (laughs) Meh. The sheep are supposed to grow and become warriors, become the church, the bride of Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes the pastors want to keep all the people in the church as sheep, and sometimes the sheep just want to keep going, meh, feed me more, feed me more. 
We need to be full of the word of God to know how to live in this world. Psalm 119.105 says that his word is a lamp and a light. We need to have a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We need to have the word of God in us in order to walk this life as Christians, as his servants. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's why when you read the Bible sometimes, it pierces you and it convicts you because it's alive. It's not just written words. The word of God is so important for us. We should be regularly reading the Bible. We need to be full of the word of God. So I want to give us a, uh, five things. These I, di- I didn't make these up, um, but I've heard them many times, and I want to give them to you in case, in case you've never heard them. You could call them the fi- five fingers of, of Bible study or knowing the word. The first one is that when it comes to knowing, being full of the word, we need to hear the word. And this is what, one of the places we can come on a Sunday morning. We need to hear the word taught, preached from, from reliable sources. Okay, Romans 10, 17, and that, that, that's up here on this, on this wall. So here, we're going to read this together. There it is, ready? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need to increase our faith. We need to hear the word of God regularly. That will build our faith. We need to be people who are taught the word of God, who hear the word of God regularly. We need to read the word of God. Revelation 1.3, now talking specifically about the book of Revelation or the letter, uh, it talks about blessed are those who read this letter. There's actually a blessing for those who will read the letter of Revelation, but I believe there's a blessing on people who will read the entire Bible, who will read the Bible. When you read the Bible, you're blessed, you're added to. So we need to be people who hear it, we need to be people who read it, we need to be people who study it. That's the third finger of, of, of the Bible. Study the Bible. Not just have a verse in the morning. Not just, not just you know, one or two verses, hey, that's good. But we need to be people who will actually study the Bible. In Acts chapter 17, it talked about the, a group of people, they were called the Bereans. And they, the Bible says that they were more noble than other people because they would listen to Paul's preaching and they would go and check it out to make sure it was true. The Bereans were noble because they didn't just believe it. They studied to make sure what the guy teaching, what he said was true. Guys, we've heard of Berean Bookstore. That's why they call it Berean Bookstore. It's a place where you can buy resources to study the Bible. Study so that we can find out if it's true. I want to, uh, anyone ever do Awanas when they were kids? You should be able to do this verse. 2 Timothy 2.15 Ready? It's up on the wall. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not, to be, uh, does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Did you know what Awana stands for? A workman and not ashamed. Awana, right? Approved workman. Yeah, approved workman and not ashamed. Yeah. That's Awana. We need to be workmen. In the King James Version, if you grew up in the King James or are still reading the King James, it says study to show yourself approved, which is a great translation. Unfortunately, it's not very accurate. It's not, the word doesn't say study, but it says make every effort, endeavor, work hard to show yourself approved. But then it says a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who what? 
correctly handles the word. In order to handle the word of God correctly, you need to read it. You need to be in the word, studying it. Make sure you understand it. I know sometimes somebody preaches or teaches a message, you go, I don't really care about the Greek. We should. Because the word sometimes in the Greek gives us the understanding of what the original intent was. And so not that we have to become Greek experts, but with today's technology material is just at your fingertips for any one of us. And so we, we should be those who study the word, understand what it's trying to say. Let me move on. Hear it, read it, study it, memorize it. Memorize the word of God. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. I remember when you used to me- memorize scriptures. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart. It's not just on the paper. It's not just even in my mind. I have memorized it, and now it's in my heart. I've hidden it there so that I won't sin against you. Memorizing the word of God is a wonderful thing. And I tell you, I, we, are, we are put to shame in, in Mexico. The churches there, they quote scripture, the whole service. They just, the pastor begins to, to speak a scripture, and the whole church begins to recite it with him. Not just the pastor knows the, the, the word. And Aaron, I've never met anyone who knows the Bible as much as Aaron de la Borda, who comes here in February. He is, you know, you just say a obscure, th- what about the story of this? And he'll quote passages from, from any book of the Bible, just quote whole passages. But his church does it too. His church knows the word and can connect the word of God to application in life. Guys, we need to know the word. We need to memorize the word so that when someone comes to us, we have a a real response why we believe in Jesus. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, when they say, why do you believe in Jesus? And you simply say, because he loves me. That's true. And that that might have been enough for you to know the love of God, but there's a lot of people who go, Okay, but to be able to connect and say, and, and, and here's, here's what the Bible says of why he loved me and how he loves me. You know, he gave, him, he gave his son for me and he sacrificed me and we can begin to explain the reason. The Bible says to always be ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. That needs to be us. We need to be Stephen, who, who was just so full of the word of God. Uh, so last one, so is hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it. Psalm chapter one, verses two and three. Let's read it together. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. We'll get better at it. We'll keep doing this. Quote the word. Say the word. But but he says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Ah, I was going to say rumiar. That's the Spanish word. Sorry. But um, <laughs> he, he thinks about it. It goes over in his mind. We, we meditate on things all day long. I wonder who's going to win the game tonight. You know, if so-and-so is playing, they might win the game. And, you know, we're, right? we're meditating on things all day long. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen in the next show of, in the next episode of the fav- your favorite show, is so-and-so going to get married to so-and-so. Well, you know, we meditate on things all day long. Let's meditate on the Word of God. Let's be people who are reading it and studying it and, and even thinking, wow, Lord, it says that I've, I can hide your Word in my heart that I don't sin against you. 
Um, I can keep my way clean. God, help me to understand your word. And we begin to meditate on things of the word. So we need to be people full of the word, just like Stephen was, who hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, and meditate on it. Amen? Okay, next point. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of the Spirit of God. When Jesus Christ left us, he said, wait until you're endued with power from on high. I've given you everything. It's finished, but there's one more thing. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We run off into most of our days, so many of us, run off without even ever thinking about the Spirit of God. We're trying to live in this life, and we're really powerless. Look at the disciples before Pentecost and after Pentecost. Weak, scared. You know, remember that at one point they were, they were, they were uh, hiding in their house for fear of the Jews. Fear of the Jews. Jesus had died. They were crucified. They're all together. They're locked in the house. They don't even want to open the door because of fear of the Jews. 120 days later, you know, not much long later, or uh, with, with Pentecost, 50 days later, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They're preaching. Thousands are being saved. They're in the temple courts calling out the leaders. Stephen's right to their faces, you stiff-necked people. What happened? They just really decided they believed it. No. <laughs> they got filled with the Holy Spirit and they were changed. We need people who will be inviting the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. The Spirit will bring supernatural gifts. The Spirit gives us wisdom and He gives us boldness. We need to cry out say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, and even be, be like those in Acts. They were praying and they were waiting until they were filled with, the, with power from on high. Uh, as we read and study the Bible, we'll find out things that quench the Spirit. We don't want to live a life that would quench the Spirit of God in our life. We want to live a life that helps us to be full of the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to hit all of these things, but seeking the fullness of the Spirit of God, living in a way that's pleasing to Him will help us to be full of the Spirit of God. The third thing, we need to be available to be used by God. Stephen was available to the end. The call that God had for Stephen was to be the first martyr. Now, I, Steve, there's spiritual gifts, and, and I've, I've got them, but we're not even going to go through them all. There's a whole bunch of spiritual gifts that are named in, in the New Testament. One of them is the gift of martyr. It's a spiritual gift. It's kind of a one-time-use gift. <laughs> but it's a gift. Stephen had it. And there are some people that have the gift of martyrdom. It's a gift that, that allows them to preach so bold in the face of, of danger that, that they really don't even have fear. They're just empowered by the Spirit to do crazy, crazy things. We don't all have that same gift, but we all do have the spirit of boldness if we'll allow God to move through us. See, there was, Stevens was a little extreme, and most of us are probably not going to be called on to, to use the gift of martyrdom. But maybe there is somebody in this room who, that's just, it's just me. I think, you know, God's going to call me. I don't know if I want to be your ministry partner, but... <laughs> If you have a heart for Iraq and Syria, really, you might have the gift of martyrdom. You don't even know you have the gift of martyrdom. If you have a heart to go to the Middle East to share the love of Christ with people, I don't know if there's anyone in here like that. 
I'd say you probably have the gift of martyrdom because there's a good chance you will be martyred for your faith in a setting like that. And praise God for that gift. We don't want to walk in a gift that we don't have just because it looks good, though, because, see, God does something when he uses you in your giftings. And he's got gifts for all of us. He's got gifts of wisdom and administration, of compassion and mercy and miracles and healing and the gift of prophecy. There is, there is gifts that we walk in. There's gifts that you have and there's uh, callings that you have. There's abilities that you have. God wants to use you in, in all of these things. And so we need to be available to be used by God. In Isaiah uh, chapter 6, 8, we know the, this, this verse probably. The Lord was saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response was really simple. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. This should be one of the clarion statements of the church of Jesus Christ. Here am I. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm yours. Do you want me to share my faith, you know, at the lake? Do you want me to go bring something to my neighbor? Do you want me to stop and do this ministry? Do you want me to serve at the church? Do you want me to teach children's ministry? Do you want me to move to Guatemala? Or what do you, here am I, send me. Now, we're not going to get to the place of here am I, send me, unless we're full of the word of God, full of the Holy Spirit, because we're going to be full of fear and worries and all the natural things of the world. So these things go together. We need to be people who know the word of God, who are full of spirit and we're available to be used by God. Who wants to be used by God? I do. Who's a little nervous about being used by God? All right. Okay, good. It's honest. We need to be honest. I mean, it's, it's nervous. Um, so we don't exactly know what he's going to call us to. Remember, Shannon and I's testimony is that I didn't want to be a pastor. She wanted to be a missionary in Africa. I didn't want to be a missionary anywhere. So God calls us to Latin America to be missionaries who convert into pastors. <laughs> We're like, yeah, like, yeah, big ha, ha, ha from God. Right? Okay. <laughs> hashtag ha, ha, ha. That should be our new one. And so, but yet, we're fulfilled because God is in the midst of our lives and he will lead you into things that might be difficult, but he'll give you the grace to do it if you'll be willing to step up to the plate. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of, of people who volunteered to go on an outreach. and You know, I've done a lot of outreach or to teach the kids or whatever it is who were so afraid and so timid, but they took the step of faith and afterwards they, they said, I, I'll never do that again. No, they actually said how awesome it was. There's been a few people who said, I'll never do that again. But some of them says how awesome it was to, to be in with the kids and how much they learned and how much they're growing. And, and, and because there's that opportunity. Now, there's times that that sometimes you'll act, it's okay to say, I'll never do that again because that's not where God has gifted you and given you grace. See, we each have a shape, in, if you will. You know, we're, we're all, uh, we have a, a shape that helps us to understand what God is calling us to do now in the present. And to know that and to be faithful to be saying, hear my God. I'll do it. Now that, I want to say that just because a pastor or a leader comes up to you and says, I think you should do this, doesn't mean that they're hearing from God. Okay? They're, you know, they might come up to you because they just need one more Sunday school teacher. And we're just desperate. And we might say, I think you should do this. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily from God. But it also doesn't mean that it's not from God. 
You know, be open. God, what, what would you have me? Would you actually have me do this or that? But he'll confirm it to your heart. Be available to be used by God. Last, walk in your gift. And that's kind of the same thing. Know who you are. I want to read 1 Peter uh, 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great, I'm sorry, great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Go to the eleven. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Each of you has a gift. Each of us have a gift. We're supposed to walk in it. If it's speaking, we're supposed to speak as though we have the oracles of God. That should convict some of us in this room. Some of us in this room have a gift of speaking, but we're not speaking the oracles of God. And we need to be probably bridled back on the things that we say. And we need to speak the oracles of God. Someone has a gift of serving. and We need to do it with all the strength so that the, the body is built up. Go back to the, the one right before this, if you can, Marissa. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God. So whatever it is that's happening in our life, the gifts that we have, we should use them to serve God and know that every one of you, every one of us has giftings and not just one from God. Because in addition to spiritual gifts, you have abilities, you have uh, things in your heart that you want to do. God has called you to use your many giftings to serve him well. So we need to be like Stephen and that's what, th- that's what Stephen, Stephen knew the word and he had the gift of martyrdom. He used it. We need to be people who are full of the word, full of the spirit, available to be used by God, and we need to begin to walk in our gifts more and more. The church, the only way we're going to reach that 12,000 people in Big Bear City is if the church is, is busy being used by God to build the kingdom of God. Did you know that the, there are five offices mentioned that, that we call them offices in, in English um, because they're, they're not just gifts. They're kind of placements of, of people, callings, if you will. And it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It says those five, and those are the five typically that are leaders of the church. Yeah, um, those five are here to equip the body for the work of ministry. They're not called to do all the ministry. There are people in here who, who hear from God in a much deeper way than I do. There are people who have a, a, a spiritual gift of prayer. They actually, you know, and you can know, you know that you have a, a spiritual gift of, of, of prayer intercession, of miracles, when you, of, of healing of the sick. When you pray for the sick, if they get better, you have a gift of healing. I pray for the sick. Most of the time I feel like I'm praying blanks. It's not working. But we, we, we pray in faith. So God is calling each of you. What we need to begin to really say is, God, how will you use me? What giftings have you given to me? The, our low self-esteem is none. I don't have anything. 
We need to get out of that. We need to help one another find your gifts and your abilities. They're going to be part of your heart makeup. Again, it's going to be, part, it's going to be based on a spiritual gift. It's going to be based on how your heart beats. It's going to be based on your um, abilities. God's, you know, there's abilities you have that, and some of your abilities, you probably have done something in your life. You're like, man, why wouldn't I ever use that again? Maybe it'll be for ministry. Um, it's based upon your personality. You know, if, if you've got a really, really bad, rough, yucky personality, we're probably going to make you a greeter, you know? This, not yet, at least. Until, God, until your personality gets saved, we're not going to put you out front. And the last part of shape is your experience. God, is, God has given you experiences, and, and that's why um, he's gonna, he wants to use you specifically. And you can be used in a way that nobody else can quite be used like you can. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking out, and I know, I know so many of you, uh, I, I know so many of you, and, and know so, of you, so many of you well. I think, you know, you've, you haven't begun to unlock your potential as a ministry for Jesus Christ. God has got some things for you. You, can, you have a circle of influence and, and a place that you can minister that I can't get to. Other people can't get to, whether it's in the construction field or whether it's whatever industry you were in or, or maybe it was in a p- political circles or in, in, the, in, the, in the fine arts or whatever it is. You, you've got, you've got a, a door into to people that other people don't. And God wants to use that to reach the 12,000 people in Big Bear City that most of them who still don't know Christ, let alone the world, will start here. We'll start here. We'll, then we'll go to the rest of the world. Amen? Let's pray. The commitment today would be something in your heart that it's just between you and God that says, God, I want to be available to you. And I want to be ready. I want to be full of the word. I commit myself to beginning to, to understand your word and read your word more. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live a life that would quench the Holy Spirit. God, I want to be available to be used by you, and I want to walk in the gifts, so I need to understand the gifts. God, this morning, we want to commit ourselves afresh to you. I think of the people, God, who live in Lake Williams, and Irwin Lake, and Baldwin Lake, and Shea Meadow, and, and Sugarloaf, and these new areas just across the highway from us, God, and down into 80 acres, and, and on North Shore, God, and God, all through this area, I'm, I'm seeing people, I'm seeing houses, I'm people, seeing people at the stores. They need you. God, people are lost and hurting and discouraged. There's Christians who have been disenfranchised from the church. God, you're calling us to reach the lost, to disciple the saved. And we want to be those who would be full of the word and full of the spirit, available to you and walking in our gifts. We commit ourselves afresh to you today. God, help us to take the next step in this process. God, for some, maybe the next step is going to be a radical step. And they say, you know what? I'm ready to go. God's calling me overseas. Someone else might just be saying, I'm willing to take the next step. I'm going to stop watching so much TV so I can read the Bible. God, wherever we're at, I know you'll receive us as we take one step to be closer to you. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Unite us in, in heart. And indeed, for this service to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.